Hey, welcome to On Mic with Jordan Rich. I always like to start off by telling you how you can contact me, Jordan at chartproductions.com. Chart Productions is where we produce the show. Also on Twitter, at Jordan WBZ, and it's Jordan Rich Show on Facebook. Today, a returning guest, one of my favorite people. He's a best-selling novelist, TV personality, producer, and historian. And he's an advocate for storytelling that both educates and inspires. He's Brad Meltzer, and he's back today with two more of his wonderful children's books in the I Am series, where historical figures are presented to young readers as leaders, exhibiting bravery, integrity, character, creativity, and more. His latest are the books I Am Walt Disney and I Am Marie Curie once again illustrated by Christopher Eliopoulos. Brad is certainly a quality writer, and without a doubt, one quality person. So Brad Meltzer, let's go on Mike. It's not often that we bring guests back, but in this case, I make a very, very, very happy exception. With me today is Brad Meltzer, extraordinary historian, novelist, and somebody who's developed a cottage industry for writing these books for young people. Welcome back, my friend. Good to be back. You must really dig uh, getting into these characters that we're going to talk about, the I Am series today. I am Marie Curie and I am Walt Disney. But working with the uh, illustrator you have, he's phenomenal. Yeah, he's a secret weapon. Um, Our goal with this series was I want to get my kids off their screens. I want them off their computers. But the only way you're ever going to do that is you got to give them something better to look at. And Chris Eliopoulos, our amazing artist, He has an art style that's like a cross between Charlie Brown and Calvin and Hobbes. And if we wanted to do, we were going to do a series of biographies about Amelia Earhart and Abraham Mm. Lincoln and Rosa Parks. You know, our goal was to give our kids better heroes to look up to. Heroes not who are famous for being famous, but who are heroes of character and of kindness and of compassion and generosity. Uh, You need someone who can show heart. And these books are full of heart. Indeed. I, I. How many are there now? So, yeah, we started with I'm Amelia Earhart and I'm Abraham Lincoln. Uh, we did I'm Rosa Parks, Albert Einstein. For my son who loves sports, we did I'm Jackie Robinson. I remember that one. My, we did I'm Lucille Ball for my daughter because I wanted her to have a female entertainment hero who wasn't just famous for being thin and pretty. Yeah. That Lucy stood for the idea it's beautiful to be different. They're all kinds of people from all different walks of life too. I mean- Right. And we you know, we said we did Helen Keller because people were like, well, what about if you're disabled? And so we showed mm-hmm. Helen Keller, we put real braille into the book so kids can feel the dots. And she says, here's my name. My name's Helen. What's your name? Now you're such a bright guy and sensitive guy and you have a wonderful family, but was there anybody else or any other resource you turned to knowing that you're addressing this to a young audience? Yeah. Listen, I use my own kids- Right. Um, they were the best. You know, if I tell my daughter, the series really started because if I told my daughter, Amelia Hart's amazing. Lila, I said, look at this. You know, she flew across the Atlantic Ocean. You know what my daughter said? She's like, big deal, dad. Everyone flies across the Atlantic. <laughs> She's not impressed. But if I tell her yeah. the true story that Amelia Earhart, and this is true, when she was seven years old, built a homemade roller coaster in her backyard, took a wooden crate and put roller skating wheels on the bottom of it, shoved it to the roof of a tool shed, came flying down the side of the roof. My daughter's like, tell me more about that. Who wouldn't want to know more about that? Right. And that's the first time Amelia Earhart flies. She's seven years old. That's great. And that's where I'm Amelia Earhart as a book was born and the series was born. But this amazing thing happened uh, when the 2016 election was approaching. Hillary and Donald Trump are arguing every day on the news. And two of our books start selling over everything else. And they're I Am Martin Luther King Jr. and I Am George Washington. And it wasn't a Democrat or Republican thing. It Mm. was the parents and grandparents on both sides were tired of turning on the TV and seeing politicians. 
and what they wanted to show their mm. kids were leaders. Mm. And we all know there's a huge difference between a politician and a leader. And they were using, I love that since that time, people use our books to fight back against the cynicism in society, to give kids better heroes to look up to. And whether it's Jane Goodall or Gandhi or Sacagawea, we are now, we just released our 18th and 19th books in the series, what we're here for today. Um, but it, the goal is is to help you build a library of real heroes for your kids it, and your grandkids and your nieces and nephews. And uh, of course, part of this is the hero thing, but part of this is also an understanding in a complex world of history told to children through these beautiful illustrations, very approachable. And like you say, there's a lot of interesting stuff that adults will read about. Yeah, listen, when we, let's, let's talk about Walt Disney, right? I mean, Walt sure. Disney is the great American, one of the great American success stories. And we think it's all about happily ever after. He gave us the magic kingdom, but it was never easy. And when you look at Walt Disney's life as a little boy, his father wasn't even excited, didn't even like the fact that his son could draw so well. He thought, how are you gonna make money doing that? Mm. It was his aunt who used to bring him pads of paper and say, keep drawing, Walter, you're good at this. And when he turns 21, starts his first film company, it's a total failure. They say he's going to have to declare bankruptcy, sleeping in his office. He takes a bath once a week in the local train station. I want my kids to learn mm -hmm. that when you chase a big dream, you might fail. But if you get back up again, that's how you fly. That's the most important part. We're talking with Brad Meltzer. And, uh, you know, between these, the novels, the TV shows, you must have a very good time management system because you're such a busy guy. Yeah, no, I, you know, I think you do the things you love, right? Yeah. This is one I love because I have a real tie to Disney. I live in Florida. Mm -hmm. We have a tradition in my family since my kids were little where once a year on the way to school, uh, we don't tell the kids what day it's going to be, but on the way to school in carpool, instead of going to school, we drive past a school and we drive straight to Disney World. <laughs> and there, and I've done it since a little, you know, every day then they're like, are we going to Disney today? Are we going to Disney today? But I, I do it because I want my kids to know that every day you can have some magic in your life. Yeah. And when that's what Walt Disney was for me. When I was five years old, him and Jim Henson and Mr. Rogers, they taught me that you could use your creativity to put good into the world. And with the I Am book series, with these biographies, that's all we're trying to do is try and use our own creativity to put good into this world. You were no doubt heartened to see that documentary on Fred Rogers last year. Oh, and now Tom Hanks, as we record this, uh, they're releasing it this fall. A book that this is based on is one of my favorite books. Uh, I'm so proud of you. But oh, you're so right, Brad, to bringing attention to good, decent people we can all look up to. Is well, that's so a, important. The culture starting for. I mean, you know, we did a book uh, last year. We did I Am Neil Armstrong. And the book is about, you know, these are never history books. They're mm. all about values and character. On the back mm. of I Am Amelia Earhart, it says, I know no bounds. On the back of I Am Abraham Lincoln, it says, I'll speak my mind and speak for others. And when we did Neil Armstrong, Neil Armstrong never used the word I. He used to use the word we. We did this. We accomplished it. And he wasn't just talking about his fellow astronauts. He was talking about his scientists, the mm. mathematicians, the, the, the tailors who sewed his spacesuit together. Remember when humility was a great American value? Uh, We've lost that, right? And, uh, and, and I think when you, yeah. you, know, you and I were talking before we started taping about heroes, and it's no surprise to me that the big biographies last year were Neil Armstrong and mm. Mr. Rogers. Mm. That's not a coincidence. We as a culture are starving. Right now we pay attention to those who are great at calling attention to themselves. Look right. at me, look what I did. Right. But we're starving as a culture for those humble ones, those hardworking ones who aren't about themselves but are about others. And that's why we get those heroes back yeah, the, again. The, the altruistic and those expressing humility are the ones I think that reside in my heart and people that I try to admire and live up to. But with children, 
and you said it at the beginning, pushing away those screens for a bit to sit down with an actual book that you can hold in your hands. These are very easy books to hold and enjoy for parents to read to kids if they're not going to read to themselves. Yeah, and I think, that, you know, the, this is a gift I didn't realize we were ever giving ourselves because the goodwill that's come back to us. We have, you know, we get letters from people and one woman wrote to us, said, this is the first year, Brad, um, on Halloween that my daughter's not going to go dressed as a princess. Thanks to your book, she's going dressed as Amelia Earhart. Wow. And I mean, to be someone's Halloween costume uh, has been incredible. We had, and and we get, I can't tell you how many people dress as Halloween as these characters they see in books. And and a friend of mine, you know, he's white, his daughter's African-American, they adopted their daughter, they were reading our book, I Am Rosa Parks. And the last page of every book, even though it's a cartoon style and it's a picture book for kids, the last page always has the real hero, real mm. picture of them. Mm-hmm. So she gets to the end of the book and his daughter sees the picture of Rosa Parks and says to him, wait a minute, this really happened? She says, this really happened. (laughs) And he said, and suddenly he was having a real conversation about race with his daughter, which he said, admittedly, I should have had years ago. Mm. We're a mixed race family, but I was too scared to. And I I could have never planned that, right? I didn't know. I was just writing a book because I think Rosa Parks is amazing and want to teach people how to stand up to bullies um, and how to stand up for themselves. And these stories that come back to us are just humbling. Now, here it is. A few minutes ago, I talked about screens. And there is good news for those who love screens and still want to see things like this on screen. We've got an animated series coming Yeah, up. so they took – the books have gotten to that level. We were so thrilled and, and thankful that PBS is taking the I Am series, the Ordinary People Change World series, and turn it into a cartoon TV show. And it is called Xavier Riddle and the Secret Museum. It's about a boy named Xavier, his sister Yadina, their best friend Brad, the most mm-hmm. debonair cartoon character. No doubt. Um, they gave me hair, which made me very happy. <laughs> Uh, But Xavier and his friends, they have a problem like they're being bullied. They go back in time through their secret museum to meet Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks teaches them how to deal with bullies. They come back to the present day and they use that information. In every episode, they go back and meet a different hero from history who teaches them that social-emotional lesson that's so necessary for our kids. And what I love is that we're debuting on November 11th. 50 years and one day after Sesame Street premiered on PBS. Mm. So no pressure on us. Brad, these books are truly amazing. They're flying off the shelves. I want to take us back to your last nonfiction work about the conspiracy to kill George Washington. What a story that was. Yeah, so this was a nonfiction book. The the books, obviously, we've been talking about are for kids. But again, I write thrillers and I write nonfiction books for adults. And I found years ago in a footnote of all places a, a secret plot to kill George Washington. It is true. In 1776, there was a plot to kill George Washington. When Washington found out about it, he gathered up those responsible. He built a gallows. He took one of the Mako conspirators and he hanged him in front of 20,000 people, the largest public execution at that point in North American history. George Washington brought the hammer down, was like, mm. do not mess with me. I'm going to be on the money one day, right? And <laughs> But what I loved about the story was, so we wrote the book, myself and Josh Mensch, we wrote the book. It's called The First Conspiracy, The Secret Plot to Kill George Washington. Um, but what I love about the book is what it says about George Washington as a leader, because we, you know, what we do with our leaders and we do with our heroes, whether they're for kids or adults, is we chisel them out of granite, we build great statues to them, and we worship at their feet as if they're perfect. And they're not. We do them a huge disservice when we do that. You know, George Washington is arguably the most famous American who ever lived. We know very little about him. Mm. You know, we tell the story that he, you know, we, he's the great leader and we held hands and dreamed of democracy and we won the Revolutionary War. And it's a good story, but it's not the real story. 
when the Battle of Brooklyn happened, the first battle in the in the Revolution, we got our butts kicked. George Washington mm-hmm. didn't have the experience of the British generals. But what George Washington, you know, he's pinned down. He's got the British in front of him, the East River behind him. And this is the moment he should be dead. It should be over. And what he does in that moment is the best thing he always does is he adapts. He improvises. And in the middle of the night, plans a daring escape. And they commandeer every boat along the East River. They take all these little boats and one by one, he slowly starts sneaking in the middle of the night, his men aboard the boats and, and sailing them to safety. But here's the key moment is that he starts, he won't get any of the boats himself. He won't get in a single boat until all of his men get away first from the highest ranking ones to the lowest. And they see him risking his life for theirs. And not that that's the magic moment that makes the American Revolution or there are plenty before and plenty after. But what the book is about is leadership is not about being in charge. It's about taking care of those in your charge. Mm. And it has been one of the great rewards. You know, we had Bill Clinton blurb the book. We had President Bush blurb the book. And right before President Bush died, George H.W. Bush uh, passed away last year. Uh, what no one knew at the time, and I couldn't say, is they were asking some of his favorite authors to come in and read to him. And they asked me to come read to him. Oh. And I brought him a copy of The First Conspiracy. And... Um, <clears throat> And they told us, listen, you're going to read for about 10 minutes because he's sick and he's going to fall asleep and that's okay. And I was like, great, I'll, I'd be honored to do it. So the Secret Service leave. It's myself, my wife, President Bush, and his service dog, Sully. Mm. And this is the end. We know what's coming. Mm-hmm. And on his desk are about six books piled high. One of them is The First Conspiracy. And it's like dog-eared, like it's been read over and over again. And I say to him, sir, you want to read this copy? I brought a copy with me. He says, mm-hmm. And the scene I brought to read to him is one of my favorites in the book. It's a chapter where George Washington has the Declaration of Independence presented and read to his troops for the first time. And sure enough, 10 minutes in, President Bush falls asleep. But I'm like, I got to finish the chapter, so make sure he's sleeping. And I get to those words, Jordan, those words we all know. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And in that moment, President Bush, his eyes pop open. He's locked on me like a laser. And I get to the end of the chapter. I say, sir, uh, you want to read another chapter? Mm-hmm. You want to read another? Get to the end of that one. Mm-hmm. And another? Mm-hmm. Instead of being there for 10 minutes, I'm there for a full hour. He's still mm-hmm. awake when I'm done. Mm-hmm. I say goodbye to him. I have my private guy. I know I'm never going to see him again. Mm-hmm. And we went to his funeral. We were invited to the funeral. And, and when I was there, in all the tributes to President Bush— The one word that kept getting used over and over again in his tributes was this word, decency, Mm. decency. And yes, because I know he's a decent man, but what I love and what I truly believe, again, just to tie it back to what we were talking about, is I think the culture right now is starving for decency. We're starving for leaders like George Washington, like Neil Armstrong, like Mr. Rogers we were talking about. And I love the fact that whether it's for kids or for the nonfiction for adults, is we're trying to bring back that that decency that we've kind of clearly as a culture forgotten. Before we wrap, we've got to talk a little Superman because you and I have a long history together talking Superman. And I don't think we've ever had a conversation where we didn't talk Superman. No, so we, we, have we have to. Uh, you, you walked into my office and saw one of my clay models that I made with my granddaughter in one of those shops where you paint them afterwards. I picked Superman, of course. I who mean, else are you going to pick? There's nothing else to pick. But there's so much. Uh, is the society still up and running? Um, the the Siegel and Schuster, Schuster Society, society is, uh, for those who don't know, we worked with and helped uh, years ago when we, you, you and I met long before that, but 
You helped me as we raised money to save the house where Superman was created. And the Siegel and Schuster Society still runs. The house is still in there. I just actually took in Cleveland, Mm -hmm. Ohio, which is where Superman was created. Jerry Siegel dreamt him up and ran to Joe Schuster's house to Mm -hmm. tell him what to draw. And and they came up with these two 17-year-old boys, came up with the idea of Superman. And they weren't popular, these two kids, and they weren't good-looking but they gave the world something to look up to. Mm. And I love Superman. And to me, the most important part of the story has never been Superman. The most important part of the story is Clark Kent because we're all Clark Kent. We all know what it's like to be boring and ordinary and wish we'd do something beyond ourselves. So I love, I just took my son to the Superman house in Cleveland, Ohio. And I love that I got to show him this thing I worked on with so many others. Mm. Uh, But the society still runs and the stories are still there. I just did it, I was telling you offline, uh, that I just did a Superman story for Action Comics number 1000 and I got to do a story for to honor my daughter uh, and there's nothing like writing Superman. Like, I love writing the kids' books. I love the I Am series. I love writing the nonfiction books and the thrillers. But when I write about Superman I, and I get to write S-U-P-E-R-M-A-N and put words in Superman's mouth, <laughs> I'm wearing my underwear on the outside of my pants that day. You certainly are and uh, well-deserved praise for the work you've done to keep the the, the image and and the feeling alive, you know, and that house is pretty special. Uh, certainly colorful, no question about oh, that. Oh, it's colorful. Although now, you know, it they, we, we turned it back to, it used to be a bright blue and red house. Mm-hmm. And we turned it back to the original colors, but but it has now bright blue and red fence with a giant S in front. Perfect. And it's perfect. So put in Superman House Cleveland, Ohio and, and look on Google Images and you will see the beauty. Well, you are on a whirlwind tour, but uh, the fact that you stopped by to see me, I am so touched. And I was so excited when your publicist dropped a note in my direction. So obviously, uh, this is not the end of the series, but the I Am series of wonderful books. Kids and adults can look up to these great Americans and non-Americans, too. I am Marie Curie, and I am Walt Disney are the two latest. When can we expect the PBS show, likely? November 11th. It comes out. You'll see it debut everywhere, November 11th. Okay, November 11th, and uh, it'll be right up there with Arthur and all the other great shows that PBS produces. Brad, thank you, as always. Great friend, and it's wonderful to see you. Thank you, sir. On Mike with Jordan Rich is produced at Chart Productions in Boston, with technical assistance from Dan Tebow at Fast Twitch Media. Always appreciate those of you who subscribe regularly and download this podcast. And if you get a chance to review the podcast on Apple, I'd certainly appreciate that as well. Looking forward to our next get-together for great conversation. This is Jordan saying, as always, be well so you can do some good. Take care.